Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Let's go! Let's go to New York City. Oh, back again. Back? Yeah, we haven't been here in a while. We are doing the 1938 film Room Service. <clears throat> a penniless theatrical producer must outwit the hotel management trying to evict him from his room while securing a backer for his new play. Particulars. Room Service. It was released on September 21st, 1938. The particulars produced by Pandro S. German, who also did A Patch of Blue, Father of the Bride, Butterfield 8, and Jailhouse Rock, to name a few. Oh, Director is William A. Seiter, who also did a, a Touch of Venus, The Cheerful Fraud, You Are Never Lovelier, and he started out as a stunt double and a bit player at Max Sennett's Keystone Films. Okay, then. Screenplay is by Maury Ricekind, Rice who also did My Man Godfrey, His Girl Friday, and Animal Crackers. Based on the 1937 play Room Service by Alan Borit, who also did Copacabana and Where There's a Life, and John Murray, who did Zigfield Follies and Alive and Kicking. The music is by Roy Webb, who did Bringing Up Baby, Notorious, and Marty. Director of photography is J. Roy Hunt, who did The Coconuts, A Kiss for Cinderella, and on his Wikipedia page, he was described as, quote, a loquacious southerner. Mm. And he was born in 1884. So when I read that, I did the ma face uh. that she's doing now. But then I was like, well, wait a second. Loquacious. And so that doesn't mean any like, yeah, because like, let's not jump to conclusions. So then I was writing down some of the movies that he did. And if I don't recognize a movie, I'll usually go with the title that makes me laugh. So I looked up, um, there was a title called Why Bring That Up? And so I clicked on it because I was like, that's going to be, that's funny and a great name for a film. Okay, so it turns out that it stars a black-faced team called the Two Black Crows. So I'm sure that J. Roy Hunt, the loquacious Southerner, was very long-winded and verbose about civil rights. Just <laughs> Perhaps we could put him on our fuckboy list. I don't know if I want to go that far. I mean, I'm just saying that uh, why bring that up? It's, <laughs> it's not a movie I, I uh, see us uh, ever doing, unless, it's, unless we just want to burn everything to the ground. Which might happen. Which, you know, that's on you, America. That's on you. The editor is George Crone, who also did Sing and Like It, The Gay Falcon, and the two sequels to The Gay Falcon, which I feel like the titles tell the story. I'm like, hmm. You have The Gay Falcon, The Falcon Strikes Back, and then The Falcon in Danger. Uh-oh. So... Watch out, Falcon. They might know about you. Starring the Marx Brothers, we have Groucho Marx as Gordon Miller. Uh, we have Chico, not Chico, which is it's not Chico. By. It's Chico. It's Chico. Oh, okay. 
um, as Harry Bellini and Harpo as Faker England. You know them. They were in A Day at the Races, Duck Soup, and Animal Crackers. All those movies had come out previous to this. So by the time that this came out, they like don't, they were the Marx Brothers. They were a known comic royalty and entity. Um, Lucille Ball as Christine Marlowe. She was in Lord, which we did last week, and Stage Door, Lord, <laughs> and Too Many Girls, which was the film where she met Desi Arnaz. Oh. Ann Miller as Hilda Manny. She was in You Can't Take It With You, Easter Parade. And her last role was in the 2001 film Mulholland Drive. Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's crazy. Nerd alert. She was only 15 years yeah, old. Yeah, how crazy. 15. She lied when she was 14 to obtain a birth certificate saying she was 18. Mm. I don't know, but I'm just thinking, what was her life like where she had felt the need that she had to lie to be 18 so that she could go out and get a job and work? You know? I, I just think, unless it was a money situation, but even then, it, it just seems like she was leading a very stressful life. Because I feel like uh, a stress-free 14-year-old isn't really, like, let me let me lie about my birth certificate, but maybe. I don't know. I know that she was on a lot of, um, like, game shows in the 50s and early 60s as well, late in her career. So she uh, kept, I mean, she kept oh, working. Oh, yeah, she kept working. She did. And we have Frank Albertson as Leo Davis, who was Sam Hee-Haw in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. And in Psycho, he is Tom. Well, I don't declare. That's why I stay rich. Cassidy in Psycho. He was the, oh. the old man with the money that was being all, like, creepy to Janet Lee. Mm -hmm. Everybody was creepy to Janet mm -hmm. Lee. And he, he was also the mayor in Bye Bye Birdie. Huh. Mm -hmm. well, so he those, kept working as well. He did. Those are the particulars. <clears throat> well, I will set the table. The movie starts at the White Way Hotel. Now, right away, I go, ooh, this might be the wrong <laughs> way hotel. <laughs> But I did more on The Great White Way. For oh, good. I didn't. Um, okay, it starts at the White Way Hotel with Gordon trying to find money for his new show, Hail and Farewell, which is funny because Poppy and I used to have to go yes! to Hail and Farewell like every month in the military. That's what when you it? are welcoming new people into your um, unit and saying goodbye to people who are leaving. Oh. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up, and that's in one of my reheatables, he hearing hearing farewells yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so much I could say. <laughs> Gordon is being evicted for not paying his bill while various characters chaotically enter and exit his hotel room. Finally, a back row arrives with a stipulation, but the playwright refuses to change a line in the play. What? could go wrong. Just a lot of waka waka. 
Okay, POC. Uh, it was the Great White Way. Yeah. Hotel, so. yeah. I mean, it was just that just kind of segues into Cass, which again, it was called. It wasn't called the Great White Way Hotel. No, it was just, it was just called White Way Hotel. <laughs> so, so you have that, Deanie. Do you have any more cast? No, you take it away. Ma, do you have any more? I didn't. Okay. I'm not going to say that only the top, the top cast is the one that swindles people, especially hotels. I'm just going to say that it just seems like movies and entertainment limited series are only made about the Euro- people of European descent swindling hotels. You're inventing Annas, you're Home Alone 2s and what have you. That's yeah. just what I'm saying. Because they're the only ones who can, who look, who look like they might be legit. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure in other hotels that cater to other lower caste, you have it. I'm just saying it for whatever reason, people just <laughs> don't want to see it. Oh, their mom, the, so the Marx brothers in real life, they got their start because um, their mom would take them to shows and they were a singing group and they weren't that particularly great at singing and so at one of uh on one of uh their shows where it was going horrendous i believe somewhere in texas the a couple of the brothers three of the brothers just started telling jokes to amuse themselves that's how bad the show was going where they just started what happened in my classroom all the time <laughs> yeah so then they were just cracking jokes to themselves and then the audience really liked it and so they were like oh we need to change the act up so it was common in the vaudeville circuits of the time to use ethnic stereotypes and ethnic accents so when they started cheek Chico, he used an Italian accent because when he was young, he used an Italian accent to convince bullies that he was Italian and not Jewish. Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's dark. Uh, Harpo's character (laughs) came from a cur... He had a red curly wig and was Patsy Brannigan, who was an Irish character, and he had such a discomfort for speaking that an uncle was like, hey, uh, why don't you just not talk? Why don't you just mime everything out? Here's a oh, horn. <laughs> I wondered where that came from. Yeah, because he was just bad at talking. Um, and it was apparently made everyone feel uncomfortable. He was so bad at talking. Wow. Yeah. Groucho, he used to use a German accent, but then around 1915, there was such anti-German sentiment that it was such a huge thing that as soon as he started talking in his German accent, they, the audience started booing him. And so he had to, that's when he had to drop the accent and he developed his fast-talking wise guy character. Mm-hmm. So I wow. thought it was, thought it was crazy. So, so when the white performers don't really like, burn cork and put that on their face for blackface then there was all this anti-black sentiment in America nobody was like booing them because they were black it was like no that's that's hilarious keep it going keep it going this is it's it's just funny how that works hmm. um so hmm. those are my cast then we are two <clears throat> Nerd alerts. Shall I go with my Great White Way nerd alert? Why it's called the Great White Way? Sure. Well, I always wondered 
And it was because uh, the definition is a street that's brilliantly lighted at night and devoted chiefly to public amusements such as the theater. Uh, the white lights of the theater marquees and the billboard signs made it oh. the great white way. It was the white lights. Hmm. I have for, so this movie came out in September of 1938. Guys, I feel like I say this every week. What a crazy year 1938 was. Yeah. Okay, so first off, we have the March of Dimes was established as a foundation to combat infant polio by President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, this is 1938. Keep in mind, polio was a big thing. He had it, I believe, right? Yes. And a uh, man, Jonas Salk, and the vaccine, that wouldn't get developed for another 14 years until 1952. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Benny Goodman and his orchestra were, became the first jazz musicians to headline a concert at Carnegie Hall. Hmm. I know that that is interesting for me personally because jazz as a genre of music, that originated in black communities in New Orleans in the 1910s. Um, so it was just interesting that Benny Goodman, born in Chicago to Jewish immigrants, became the first jazz musician to play Carnegie Hall and also became known as the king of swing hmm. for jazz that black people created. Kind of like yeah. Elvis mm -hmm. a bit. Tracks. <laughs> Just tracks. <laughs> oh, man. Hitler is doing Hitler things. In That's all I can think about with the mustache. Like the year yes. and the mustache and we're really going with that? Yeah. 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 But I guess it wasn't he wasn't Hitler, Hitler yet. Well, yeah, he was just. Well, he was, but like it was like, oh, you really, you really should rethink that. Yeah, he wasn't full blown yeah. Hitler yet. Yeah, but he, he was on, he was on his. And I guess it was a little bit wider. Yes, it was. Yes, it was like definitely all over his whole lip. Sorry, back to Hitler. It was an obnoxious mustache. It was his, that's Groucho though. That's it was. It was his. Yeah. That's his thing. Um, so German troops invaded Austria, and mm -hmm. then they annexed Austria the very next day, and then the Austrian electorate, in a move that even surprised Hitler, the electorate voted 99.73 to let the, what is it called, Ausschuss, um, go through. So they didn't even... I is it was it even an invasion? Austria was just like, yeah, come on, come on. Wait, wait you were born here, right? Just wave it. There's ninety nine point seven three is like one guy in one village was like, no. <laughs> um, no, it, that was the nun singing uh, Edelweiss up in I don't the mountains. The nuns could vote, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, meanwhile, Czechoslovakia is starting to sweat bullets. They are really freaking out. They're reaching out to everybody, going like, yo, they're going to invade us. We're next. Oh, my gosh. What does that sound like? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was the first cell, and cell refers to celluloid, so the, the frame. Um, it was an animated motion picture that was released. That was a big deal. It was a big deal. 
Black Sunday. Oh, at- did you go see it? Not in 1938. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, Teeny. Black Sunday oh, yeah. at Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia. 300 swimmers were dragged out to sea in three freak waves. It took 80 lifesavers. They saved Absolutely all not. but five. And then you asked me just this week, Erin said, oh, we're going to be meeting up in San Diego in a few weeks. And she said, oh, do you have any interest in learning how to surf? And I don't say no to many things, but I just That's had to why. that out. No, I'm scared. And I, I was Absolutely not. I was kind of glad because I did it and I liked doing it and I liked that I had done it and it was fun, but it did terrify me. <laughs> We're watching season 42 of Survivor and there was a competition and they were just in shallow water, shallow water. But the waves, they had to stop the competition and pull all of them back in. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. You always go perpendicular. You have to go perpendicular until you get out of it, and then you. Well, not when you have a key that you have to find the ladder to get the key up at the top. (laughs) There's only one place you can go. Yeah, and people were almost drowning. So that sounds terrible. Did anyone Mm -hmm. die in that thing in 1938? Yes, five five people. So it would have been you and me, and I don't know who (laughs) the other two would have been. It would have been. We know who wouldn't have been with us. (laughs) (laughs) They would have been free. You would want us to, you would want save us to yourself. save ourselves. Yes, we would. I, no, I would not. I don't think I would. That is okay. not a save yourself Maybe Adam situation. was another one with her holding on. Adam her. better be coming back in there. <laughs> oh, great. We know who it was the five. It was the five of us. Because <laughs> <laughs> then once he comes back out, you're going to, God damn it, there I go too. <laughs> There's the two white women. We have to save them. Oh no, the three brown people are ah, it's a while. Collateral damage. Yeah, they chose wrong. <laughs> um, we have the second Sino-Japanese War. So that was between China and Japan. It started a year earlier in 1937, and then it went all the way up until 1945 when it just nicely transitioned right into World War II. We just do. Uh-huh. We just kept that party going. Um, the Spanish Civil War is raging. <laughs> Just so much stuff is going on. The Avion Conference on Refugees is convened in France because no country in Europe is prepared to accept all of the Jewish people fleeing persecution. Mm-hmm. And the United <laughs> States will only take in 27,370. Yeah, bad on United States. Now... If they had been from a different religion and a little bit more blonde and blue-eyed, yeah, Europe that, would have open arms. If that had been a ship full of Presbyterians, I believe it would have been able to dock, you know? That's why I'm like, I really do feel for the Ukrainian people, but when the whole thing started, I'm like, I don't think we're going to have a refugee crisis. Something just tells me that refugee crisis isn't going to be a thing because I feel like everybody's going to use like World War II and all of that and how we treat all of the other refugees from 
the lower caste and be like, we're not going to treat these refugees like that. We're going to do better. And meanwhile, it's like, you're only going to do better because of caste. Because, exactly. you know? But that'll make us all feel better, I suppose. Okay, Italian... Okay, Italy agrees to withdraw 10,000 troops from Spain. Okay, you have to listen to this, because this is just wild. This is just cast right here. <clears throat> Italy agrees to withdraw 10,000 troops from Spain at the conclusion of the Spanish Civil War, so their Spain Civil War. In exchange for doing that, Britain agrees to recognize Italy is in control of Ethiopia. <laughs> so just, just let that cast just wash over you. Yeah. Ethiopia's sitting there going, we what didn't do fuck? anything. Why are we involved? And then they're like, oh, I'm sure that this is going to go well for us and we're just going to rake in all of this money and things and there's not going to be a huge concert for us where Freddie Mercury and Queen are going to I'm talking about Live Aid. That's all. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. So then going back into it, we got the... Okay. So then September, when this movie comes out, the month that this movie comes out, it's September 1938. It is nuts. Everyone knows that Germany is going to invade Czechoslovakia. Because they told from the beginning of the year... Like when they annexed Austrian stuff and Czechoslovakia's just be sweating bullets and then Germany will be like, no, we're not going to. It's like very, very echoey of what was going on with like Ukraine and stuff. And Czechoslovakia, they're coming for us. And then, no, they're not. No, they're coming for us. No, we're not. So this is what September, like Britain and France, they've like teamed up and they've promised Czechoslovakia no, if Germany comes in, don't worry, we got your back. We'll defend you. Meanwhile, Churchill is like, yo, it's looking like it might happen. We need we like we need to get the US in on this. We need some help. So maybe like the US and the Soviet Union will help us out. Meanwhile, the Soviet Union earlier in the year had reached out to the US to be like, hey man, yo, you you want us to like put this Hitler guy down? Like you and I, let's go at this. We got this. This is a little pipsqueak. This is fucking little mustache. Come on. We got this. And the U.S. said, nah. Ooh, we cool, bro. Crickets. Yeah, crickets. <laughs> so then, um, so then there, then, like, rumors come out, like, oh, yeah, the U.S. is gonna help us and stuff. And then Roosevelt's like, nah, this is 100% wrong that the U.S. would join a stop Hitler block under any circumstances, and he makes it quite clear in the event of German aggression against Czechoslovakia that the U.S. would remain neutral. Oh, that was a big mistake. And then the day that the movie opens, the French and German governments have to go to Czechoslovakia and be like, okay, so now that it's really imminent and looking like you're about to be invaded and the U.S. is completely neutral, um, our moms said that we can't come help you. Our so, moms won't let us come play today. Yeah, our moms are going to let us come outside. And meanwhile, like Churchill, because, you know, Neville, this is Neville Chamberlain time when he's like meeting with Hitler and like trying to do all these wheeling dealing and Churchill's just like, drinking his drinks and trying to deal with his depressions. And meanwhile, he's just like, this isn't good guys. This, this man, we can't appease this man. This is not going to end very well. He, he's doing the job. 
we've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, pretty much Hitler takes the Sudetenlands from Czechoslovakia, which is was just like kind of it's this it wasn't a chunk of land. It was weird lands that were just kind of all around Czechoslovakia, and then Poland and. I think Hungary, like the other countries, are like, well, now that you've divided up Czechoslovakia, I think that like we should get a cut of our ancestral lands and stuff. And so, yeah, this movie came out too. But meanwhile, the U.S. is like, we're in the middle of a depression. That's their, that's their issue. We just got out of a war. We don't want another war. Yeah. So it's it's very much like, well, I was reading this like. Are we living in 1938 again? Like, yeah. It is crazy. It's going to be one of those things where people look back on 100 years from now. We're going to seem, it's going to seem like a wild time. Yeah. 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 So the top five films in 1938 were Sweethearts, You Can't Take It With You, Test Pilot, Alexander's Ragtie Band, and the, the number one film of 1938 was a film called Boys Town. Oscars, we have Test Pilot, Pygmalion, Jezebel, Grand Illusion, Four Daughters, The Citadel, Boys Town. (laughs) Alexander's Ragtime Band, The Adventures of Robin Hood, and the Best Picture winner for that year was You Can't Take It With You. All righty then. Wow. So we are two reheatables. Um, uh, negatives at first. The um, the hail and farewell salute was pretty much the Heil Hitler salute. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I know. And I didn't know if that was bad yet. But here's the thing. Year. So this is actually my LVP. Hitler stole it from somebody. I w- he didn't yeah. come up with that. Oh, like he no. that. Like, no. he didn't originate with that. He just, like, ruined the fun for somebody else. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, like, the, the Nazi symbol you know? is, like, a, like a, in Eastern... It's like, yeah. It's, like, a like a Buddhist or something symbol they t- completely stole. Oh, wow. It had a different symbol, and now it's good luck using it as Ever. anything like that. Yeah. Um. So I had this as my LVP, and we'll just do it right now, because... I wondered if, I wondered, well, it's one of the all-time bad reheatables, because this is exactly what a reheatable is, because it, like we were talking about in 1938, the Marx Brothers were Jewish, I'm sure that they knew what was going on, in fact, the mother came from Germany when she was 16, she came to the United States, and their father came from Alsex in yeah, France. Yeah, German and Jewish. Yeah, he was called Frenchie by his his kids and stuff, because he was from that region in, in France. He's yeah. my uncle! We could be related to On the either side. <laughs> and just... Oh, sorry. Well, I just wonder, because I, th- I think... He wasn't Hitler yet, but they knew about him. So I wonder if this is going to be the same for us in 15 years of those memes of Putin with his shirt off. You know how we're making fun of like, oh, look at this guy. Yeah, that's true. You know, I think I think I took it as I don't think they meant I think that that wasn't like the thing yet. But it's the perfect example of a reheatable, a bad reheatable that you could never do in a movie now. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Unless you're Mel Brooks doing Springtime for Hitler. Yeah, but you got to have that Mel. I mean, the thing with it is that he just walks that fine line and also. Sometimes sometimes he tips in the wrong direction. Yeah. Tips. And you're. You you just have to be a special a special brand of of comedian to, because like when it all shakes out you're like he killed millions of people and horrible exactly. things so yeah way to lead off the the, the first battery heater was one of the all time classic exactly and then the open flame that Harpo was walking around with. Oh, I, I love yes, that. I guess the um No, that's a miners. The pack. miners actually wore those back in the day. Yes, it's an Ooh. oil wick. It's an oil wick cap lamp that was invented in Scotland in the 1850s. But then you think how many gas leaks are down there uh, in the mines. Well, you don't see too many old miners for a reason. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, okay, those were my two most pressing. Well, I'm glad you didn't do a lot because I watched this at work on my lunch break. And while I was getting my nails done, I finished it. And uh, oh, yeah, well, and the Hitler whatever it is, the Hitler thing. I have my phone on the table while she's doing my nail, while the guy's doing my nails. And I was like, uh, let me pause this. And <laughs> I like, I had to restart, I had to wait till they walked away to restart it. Um, but I, uh, but I say that to say this, I left the piece of paper with the notes that I took <laughs> at work. doing? Thank God nobody else is in my office. Um, so the only thing that I have written down for my negative is the mustache, just because not yeah. only because of Hitler, but just because it was um, it was it was gargantuan. ugly. It's just yeah. ugly, you know. Yeah. Like, a, that's yeah. Thing, yeah. The grease paint mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, but also now that's a real hotel, right? White way, a uh, real hotel. I don't know. I was just. I thought I've that been... it was real based on your nerd alert. No, I'm just talking about the Great White Way. The Broadway is called the Great White Way. Oh, okay. Well, there probably was. I mean, I just didn't think that the rooms were that nice for like the way they were talking about it. I mean, I guess it was a room. Yeah, the room it, was, a room. it wasn't up to your standards. Oh, well, no, it's actually. I mean, technically, it was on a soundstage in RKO. So that's kind of, that's a movie. I don't think they shot, yeah, they didn't shoot on location. It's just a soundstage. No, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it didn't look all that great. Yeah. But that was my negatives. There is a White Way Motel in San Jose, California. Which is (laughs) not in. No, it's not in the green book, I'm guessing. Just you know where I always title. wanted to stay is um, the Cadillac Motel on the way from like Northern Virginia to Richmond. You know what I'm talking about, Adam? There's a place called the Cadillac Motel. It's like right off of 95. Right off of 95. Oh. Well, I just kind of wanted to stay there. 
Hmm. I, I never will. But let's, let's do some reconnaissance. We should do it. it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe well, we'll do let's, that. Let's. <laughs> maybe you two go go check out the situation. Stop <laughs> it out. <laughs> <laughs> be, be our who is it our the cavalry the ahead the head scouts you know so are those your reheatables yeah yeah that's my negatives yes all right i have i don't know how you watch this at a <clears throat> nail salon or your lunch break during work because they're i only sat down to watch this and i was like wait what's going on there were so many visual gags. I had to turn on the closed captioning because there are so many. There's so many visual jokes, and then there's so many word jokes. Oh, it yeah. was. I whew. had closed captioning on 100. percent Yeah. Oh, you didn't yeah. like that? Was your negative? It was just. Jo- you don't like jokes? <laughs> no, actually, this was. Yes, my- you're the little bitch now. <laughs> but, no, actually, my negative is that I thought that the premise was too confined for the Marx Brothers. I, the, them always being in the hotel well, room and they couldn't leave. It was the only movie based on material not specifically created for them. Right. 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 And so it is a bit of a, it's a great head scratcher and everybody's always talking about it because it was based on a broad, hit Broadway play and then they came in and it kind of makes sense why they would be in there, but there, I'm like, yeah, there is a reason why this isn't up there with duck soup day at the races mm-hmm. and night at the opera for them. Cause it was, and just, you can I, tell it was a Broadway play because it was all set in that room. Right. And I just like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. They, they just, I just I'm have, to, have you guys done duck soup? No, no, we did day at the races. Yep. But duck soup, I think is their most. It is. It's considered it, their there. best critically acclaimed. The fact that Davis packed roller skates. <laughs> and that's the kind laugh. of roller skates I well, used to roller skate. I thought it was like all of his belongings. <laughs> no, but just that he would have. So were those skates. roller skates, did you attach them to your shoes? Yes. You had to have a nice. You had those? Bowl. I did. And, and you had to have the key that could adjust them. Wait, yeah. Ma, remember our rollerblades that you got us in Germany? They, mm-hmm. We had rollerblades that were the same thing, that were adjustable. You wore your shoes and you just put the your the rollerblades on it and like velcroed that your shoes to them. Those were our yeah. rollerblades. Oh, you should have seen the dangerous things my brother did in those. I believe oh it. Oh my gosh. Um, the super short neckties. That oh, just yes. always makes me laugh. Here's a really bad one on us now in these times. The closed captioning. So one of my favorite lines in this was when Mr. Jenkins comes in and he finds, like, everything's just gone to hell and he finds the doctor's been tied up and gagged and he's leaving and I think it's Bellini is like, uh, look, Mr. Jones, in the first place, we didn't do it. In the second, don't know who he is. And that's a funny line, you know, (laughs) but in the closed captioning, it reads, Mr. Jenkins, we didn't do it. And we don't know who he is. Oh, see, that's not at all the same thing. And were they really saying house dicks? They might've been. A dick was a detective. Yeah. Oh, a dick is a detective. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, okay. Then that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Back in I the day jargon. That. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. the stuff. Well, only one of us on this podcast was around back in the 30s. So wow. I don't know where all these you being really old jokes are coming from. It's just you're giving <laughs> it's it's all because of at me. You're throwing it's... them at me. It's here. <laughs> That's right. I'm feeding them to you. It's all because of Duke. I don't it's know. I know. Yeah. The media have a bad taste in my mouth because of last night. I think so. I can take it. <sighs> Mounting dead animal heads on walls. I just oh, think it's yeah. Oh, Unless they died naturally. Yeah. Well, he said he killed yeah. it though. But th- I, th- I feel like that's oh, not yeah. why they're mounted. Because I was thinking that yeah. too. Like, oh, if it's fake, that's kind of because then it gives you that feel. But then like, I'm like when no. When Mac dies and you know, you're gonna like mount him to. <laughs> that would kind of be funny. Would it? With his eye, his tongue yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what is that called? <laughs> I'm see. blanking on it too. It's a whole thing. He's What's that called? What? Um, yeah. What's that called? Taxidermy. It's... Taxidermy. Taxidermy. Ah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> the uh, the women in this, especially Lucille Ball, just. They're just un- completely underused. Their That's part. Oh, I was so disappointed. With, yeah, I you're right. glad you brought that up. Yeah, she has such a minor part. Yeah, mm-hmm. so small, so underused. But yeah. at least she was young and got to be around the Marx Brothers. And I feel like that. Oh, I have heat. something on that later. Okay, good, good. And then my final negative reheatable is uh, I saw this because I watched this the second time because there was so much I felt like I missed um, as my eyes were. I thought I was just blinking, but it turned out I fell asleep at the same time every time, five that different to times. Too. Um, was when Davis, the playwright, he just kind of mentions casually that he had to fake his own death by taking just enough poison to convince chemistry professors that he was dead, but not enough poison to really kill him, all so that he could join a fraternity. <laughs> hey, hey. <clears throat> Still happens like- today. I think it's somewhere in... North Carolina, there's an 18-year-old that's done the same. Oh, my father. Just... Well, he didn't swallow poison, but he no. did get branded. Yeah. Hot, just... like, true, like, branded. Oh, yeah. And they, they mm. numb it just by you know, punching it. Just punching it to, to numb it. So, frats. I, not for me, I don't get it, but teach his own. Those are my negative reheatables. Okay. My freshman two. year, I, I don't, um, so my college, um, the U, University of North Carolina, Tar Heels. Where did you go again? Yeah, they're going to be playing tonight. Um, it, I think it's, it's a crazy percentage of people who are involved in Greek life. Like, yes, I want to say in the seventies person. Oh, like state there's a school. whole yeah i feel like at a state school that there it's more but i don't know i have I'm, maybe I but there's another like i don't think it was nc state was really quite as i don't know there's oh certain okay schools i guess that are just more greek life mm-hmm. 
um like there is a whole area called frat row like you and like the houses were crazy um oh yeah because we had one too at drexel oh one Mm -hmm. we had like 30 um yeah yeah. there i because i remember I, i had a friend who was in a frat at nc state and they like their house was so shitty compared to right like these right. are like huge places oh, with columns uh-huh. on the front and like um spent many well, it is the south there. yeah um but then so my freshman year i did like a <laughs> what I'm, listening. About- I'm listening oh, no, i'm listening i was just gonna say like because ross said the south and i was like they do love their exclusive organizations <laughs> their clans if you will <laughs> oh Oh my God! And yeah, columns, a lot of columns. Okay, I'm Very sorry, white. Christine. I interrupted. Um, you did. So my freshman year, I did a random roommate situation. I didn't know who my roommate was going to be, and she was the epitome of sorority. Like we walked in, and she was like, uh, "Oh, are you gonna?" rush for a a sorority and I think I was like to be nice I was like oh I don't know absolutely (laughs) not um and so she ended up getting in Zeta Tau Alpha and my other friends would come over to our room and they did this thing like this where they something like this where they would make a crown with their um hands with your white percent (laughs) <laughs> I don't, well, don't quote me on, I don't know how they don't quote me on that I don't know how they did it um but were they did, like, like making three-pointers it's the same <laughs> I, I don't even remember how they did it but you could in our room it was like one of those like high like picture games where you could find how many crowns were in the room because as they did tell alpha and then my next year one of my roommates was in a sorority as well and it just became all the time she was like oh, I don't want to go do this but I have to <laughs> it's like a job like yeah. I think the first year your freshman year it's all like really exciting and I think by the second year you're like especially for sororities who I feel like sometimes take the philanthropic part a little bit more seriously where they're like oh I have to go like do this thing and mm-hmm. oh, do not recommend no, I was never with sorority material. And then you end up like spending a fortune on bridesmaids dresses and oh, weddings. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you have too many friends that you don't really like. But you have to be in their wedding because they, mm-hmm. you know, have to have 16, 17 bridesmaids. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, wasn't wasn't into that. It wasn't it Groucho who said, I don't want to be in any club that would want to have me as a member of their club. <laughs> I think I remember hearing that like when I was really young. I was like, you know what? That's one we're gonna put let's fold that up, put that in our wallet, and just keep that with us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, we are to positive rehutables. Mm-hmm. My positive was at the beginning with that with the turkey, I was going, oh my God, this is not gonna go well. This is a live turkey. But then when it started flying around the room, it was a fake turkey. So mm-hmm. I was glad that um, you could see the wires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought that part was hilarious. I had that on my positives too. Mm-hmm. 
others. Oh, that was your only positive. That okay. well that I <laughs> wrote down, you know. Um, I liked the intro, the credits, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The bits. So many the bits. bits. And so the the lines, but specifically the scene where they were all eating the meal. Yes. Harpo and that scene. Oh my god. <laughs> and then when like uh Chico, I think it was, threw the salt behind him and Harpo caught it and licked his hand. <laughs> there are so many they're like, yeah, this, this is the Marx brothers. Yeah. yeah. And then the de- the dying bit I loved. That whole part where he was groaning to die and then he died and um and then I wrote hotels. Yeah. I like hotels. I like staying in a in a nice hotel. I do mm-hmm. too. It better specifically in Vegas, but um, yeah, anywhere we'll mm. I wouldn't want to stay next to the Marx brothers. I I think there was Seems a loud. A lot of noise coming from that hotel room. I won't want to stay under them because of... Well, there's that too. Groucho's walk. I know. It's and hilarious. That's... And it's so... It seems like it's so glute activating. And as someone who has realized that their glutes have been asleep for 41 years, I'm just like, man, who could I have been if I had awakened my glutes earlier? But it's not an attractive walk. It's a funny walk. It's funny. And it's very athletic. Like in, in P90X, you have this move where you have the groucho walk and you have to like, it, like you're in a squat and you're bent down and walking forward and walking backwards. It's, you're like, mm. um, I have the RKO logo. I just, I just like the logo. It's old timey and old schooly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have grifting fancy hotels. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the hail and farewells because I was like, I always remember hearing hail and farewells. Uh, usually that meant we got pizza or something fun to yeah. eat for dinner. And because you had a babysitter. Mm-hmm. Um, putting measles, a measles sign on the door, and the house dicks are like, ah, nope, that's okay. Um, I like that there was. Not a lot of music. In fact, hardly any. I didn't yeah. even notice. Yeah, like usually be like, oh, bloop, 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 bloop. they didn't need nothing. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had Harpo. I just like really liked Harpo. How he had his flame, and I had to look it up because I was like, oh yeah, that's a miner's hat. Okay, it just seemed so dangerous with how he was right just going around. At the end, a whole bunch of miners come out. Well, that was part of the play because oh, he yes, was in yes, the yes, play, yes, yes. and then yes. you're like, that oh, makes a lot more yeah. sense. Yes, yeah, because yes, he, yes. he was in the play, okay. he goes down, and then he's like the body that comes out. But the thing that really got me was when. He, the the guy takes his life. So they have this whole ruse going. The playwright's supposed to take the poison because the mean hotel manager uh, was going to kick him out and just driven him to death because he doesn't get to see his opening night. And then he's like, no, this wasn't me. I've never hurt anyone. And he opens the door and Harpo's standing there with a knife in his chest oh, and a nice. note that was like, the manager made me do it just like he made me. It's like the other guy killed him. And, just, and when they're dragging him out, just his dead look face. Yeah. And the woman comes by and he like turns to look and he's just... 
Oh man, that got me. Um, let me see. I like that it was. I like that the, the Bucks brothers were shady characters. Like he's grifting his own brother-in-law, so yeah. nothing is off the table for them. He's gonna—they're prepared to run out on the bill. They're just—they're just in it for themselves. I, you know, they're—you're just like, wait, why am I even rooting for these guys? Oh, because they're funny. Um, and then my final one is the manager Wagner. He was so good at yelling. He had such a great yelling voice. And the second time I watched it, I was like, the first time I was this, this man reminds me of somebody with his yelling and his temper tantrums. And then I remember, I was like, oh my gosh, he reminded me of one of my basketball coaches big time with the yelling and the over-the-top temper tantrums and the biting of the <laughs> towels. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's hilarious. So... Those are my positive reheatables. Was that the butterball dude? He, yeah, he he's jumping butterballs. When he would yell, he could really get down low in this like rattly yell kind of thing. Not like the shrill yell that I tend to do. Okay, we are to quotables. My first quotable is... I won't change a line in the play. That was at the very beginning. It was too hard to write down the quotables, though. Yeah, there's so They many. kept coming too fast. And so um, that's the one I wrote down. Others, there were a lot of good ones. But a lot of them, you had to be there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, now that I've eaten, I see things in a little different light. Mm, well, that's yeah, me. That's a good one. Oh, that's yeah. definitely you. Jumping butterballs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then how do you like that? Just because he owes six months rent, they throw him out of his place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see a person of color owning six months, owing six months rent and having not already been thrown out. Right. Um, well, <laughs> mom, I would like to see a person of color in white way hotel. Well, that's true. <laughs> Cause we didn't. And she happens to be my sister on my mother's side. <laughs> He's a uh, Mr. Wagner. I protest. <laughs> I think it, it always makes me laugh whenever somebody says I protest out loud because it's an action. <laughs> but uh, I protest. It just, it's just like okay. Um, he says good night, sweet prince. I had to look it up. You know, because I've I've seen I've heard that before. Yeah, because it's in Hamlet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's in a lot. Mm. Um, and I wrote this down. Gee, it's just like a play, isn't it? But that's when they were telling Hilda everything that they were going, and she was like, "Oh, I got it. It's a, it's just a play we're doing up here, and there's also a play downstairs." Right. Um, and he said, "Well, if you fellas don't mind, I'm gonna wash up." <laughs> and then I think Groucho says, "Yeah, go ahead. The rest of us are already washed up." Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was a good one. And somebody said to him at some point, for once in your life, pay a bill. And it was like, why? Look, he's lived his life this long. He hasn't paid one. So those are my quotables. He certainly had a lot of clothes. Okay. Well, LVP, mine was not enough Lucille Ball. Mm. Aaron, you already did yours. Well, I did have an honorable mention. My honorable mention was Mr. Jenkins. 
because he had to, he was the really tall guy that got knocked out with the baseball bat because he had to deal with them. And then that, you know, that who, who is it? The, the mysterious backer who didn't want his name known the fist yes. guy, you know, that guy's not a peach. So <laughs> he, you know, he had to deal with the Marx brothers antics. And then that's his boss's, yeah, I, I was just like he's honorable mention. Teeny MVP. Um, the brother-in-law. That's what he. Like, oh. You get married, and that's who you get. Like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like you can't. Like I like that they did that because that's like the reason why he wasn't saying, and you know, it gave a reason to why they hadn't just kicked him out. Exactly. Exactly. But I also agree with your not enough Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. Another positive and negative was her hat. Like I was intrigued by her her Robin Hood hat. Mm-hmm. Like at first it was awful, but then it was kind of she could pull it off. And here's a, something that just occurred to me. Um, I think that Lucille Ball. I don't know if it's a thing of confidence or if it's a thing of money, but that was one woman who got more attractive as she got older. Mm-hmm. I was just, you're like, oh, young Lucille Ball. Not saying that she was hideous by any means. She was attractive, but just I think she looks so much better in the I Love Lucy's and stuff. And and she was oh. an older woman in that. Max Factor was doing her makeup. Oh, plus, plus money and stuff. And oh, then yeah. you're around people yeah. who can make you look good. It's, you know. Um, MVP. I don't have one. Oh. It's not that, it's just that I don't. I you could just say the Marx Brothers. <laughs> you couldn't even pick one? You could just be like Harpo. <laughs> the Marx Brothers. Chico, the Marx Brothers. Waka Waka. Comedy. Groucho. Comedy. Laughing before the world is about to go to war. It's true. People, you have no idea what's coming next. Others? Well, my MVP is Harpo. Mm. And the reason that I was intrigued by this movie is because one of my favorite episodes of I Love Lucy (gasps) is season four, episode 28 or 27, depending on what you look at. And I watched it just before we recorded. Um, and in the episode, it's Lucy and Ethel, Lucy and the gang is in um, LA, they're in Hollywood, staying there for something Ricky's doing. And Lucy and Ethel have been telling their friend Carolyn that like everybody, they're meeting so many famous people and all these celebrities. So then Carolyn pops on in to visit and Lucy's like, oh my God, we've got to like find some celebrities to come up here real quick, which clearly they can't do. So they, they um, get Carolyn to take her glasses off and they realize she can't (laughs) see without her glasses. And so the whole episode is like Lucy going down to the, the like prop store on the street and we're coming back disguised as famous people. I think Clark Gable was one of them. I can't remember who else it was. There are a bunch of old famous people. Yes. yes. Um, meanwhile, Lou, Ricky and Fred are down at the pool and Harpo Marks comes up to them and they have a whole thing. And Ricky's like, would you do me a favor and surprise my wife? Um, 
and like go up and surprise her. And so Harpo goes up to the room while Lucy's out at the store getting some new props. And somehow Ethel doesn't know that it's not really Lucy. And it's, you know, what could go wrong? Lucy comes back and she's also dressed as Harpo and she's hiding behind a screen. And then they do a whole thing based on the routine that they do is based on something that Groucho did in duck. What's it called? Duck soup. Duck soup. Duck soup. Oh, excellent. Which I haven't seen. So I was, I just did some digging into Harpo specifically. And he was reportedly Lucy's favorite Marx brother. Wow. But I think they were kind of all pals. Mm. Um, before they recorded this episode of I Love Lucy, he suffered a heart attack and the doctors discouraged him from doing the show, but he ignored them. Oh, wow. And he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, but he was the second of the five Marx brothers. Um, he quit school at eight years old because of bullying, because of how much he was oh. getting bullied. And he became a delivery boy to help support his family. He's there for, like you said, they're from Manhattan family you know kids of immigrants um and he learned how to play the harp not, and then not with like a lot of instruction he kind of just like learned on his own and that's not um easy. no for the harp are you kidding me um he you know he was usually always seen in his red wig battered top hat and wearing wearing a trench coat um, which I don't think I knew when I was younger, when I was a kid watching the, this episode, it makes so much more sense that he had a red wig and Lucy's hair was red. Mm, yeah, that mm -hmm. is, I never got it to, with like the ethnic stereotypes of like, oh, he's supposed to be Italian and he's Irish. He's mm -hmm. German. Um, and the episode he plays the heart and he plays, take me out to the ball game but he plays their rendition. His son was working, um, his son was working for, well, Lucille Ball ended up buying RKO. Oh yeah, I have a lot on that. Okay, so then Harpo's son was working there and Harpo was like, told his son, he was like, hey, we're doing an episode of I Love Lucy, make me do a rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game for the harp and that's what he played. Oh, cool. um, and then Lucy insisted on lots of rehearsal while Harper was inclined to improvise. So in the episode, they do this whole routine of like miming each other. Um, so they had to refilm it after because it was filmed over, you know, in front of a live studio audience. But it, they had to refilm it afterwards to get it right. Sorry, this I'm just going off on a rant about this episode and not at all about the movie. But so be oh, it. Oh, it's fine. Um, and after they filmed the, cause I feel like it says who he is after they filmed the, uh, episode Harpo remained behind and played the harp for the cast of I Love Lucy for the cast and crew and Vivian Vance, Ethel sang to it. Aww. Um, and he ended up marrying actress Susan Fleming. I don't know who she is. I don't know if you guys do, but they got married in 1936 and had a lifelong marriage and they adopted four children. And when he, he was asked one time how many children he planned to adopt, 
And he said, I'd like to adopt as many children as I have windows in my house. So when I leave for work, I want a kid in every window waving goodbye. Aww. Which could be, could be kind of creepy. Could be like, okay, we're holding them hostage in the house and they're all waving goodbye from yeah. the window. That's like, is he, don't, don't they have to go to school? Does he leave for work at 11 a.m.? And he's yeah, like, no I don't kids, know. You have to- Maybe it's a night filming. Um, and many people believe that he was actually mute, but... His autobiography is called Harpo Speaks. And he's said to have had, well, you can find videos of him speaking, like interviews and stuff, but it's said that he had a deep and distinguished voice like a sports announcer. (laughs) Um, But his son, Bill, said that he was not verbose, but instead preferred to listen and learn from others. Um, And I read a thing saying that in his last, like, I guess he was accepted into some hall of fame or something. And the last time he was seen speaking publicly, it was like, he was talking so much to the point that people were like, oh my God, he won't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he donated his heart, his famous heart to the state of Israel in his death. And it was later used in an Israeli orchestra. Wow. but then I also, and then he, he had another heart attack right after filming that episode of I Love Lucy and ended up dying at 75 from surgical heart surgery complications. Wow. But also Groucho's son ended up being a writer on Life of Lu- something called Life of Lucy. Mm. Um, so she was kind of pals with all of them. Mm-hmm. But I just thought he, I mean, you know. His bit of chasing women around doesn't really um, yeah. stand the test of time and negative reheatable, but I just think it's fun to watch and it was enjoyable mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. I have for my MVP was the auditor at the bank who was checking those signatures. Oh, government. Oh, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> square. True. Mark. Yeah, just like... <laughs> Nope, doesn't match. And then just the personal uh, touch of like actually physically sending somebody to, I was like, man, wow, times are different. Although when I went to get my, um, when we moved into this apartment, I don't know how people move so much in New York City because you have to put up a lot of fucking money on the front end. Oh, Mm -hmm. really? Just like, yeah. First month's rent, last month's rent, broker's fee, pet deposit. Oh. It's like anything. So mm-hmm. I, and it all had to be in cash. So I go okay. to the bank, I'm taking all this money on cash and they start having me sign and comparing my signature to my like debit card signature, which God knows the last time I did that. Yeah. And yeah. I heard that you, I they called s- the manager over. Well, at least you got service because I could put my bank on fire for it when I went to try to get my car to a branch of my bank. And I had physically both of my parents with me and myself, all of us with our photo IDs, wouldn't let me deposit into my own account my own money. Yep. So what did I do? I said, we're going down the street to the Browner branch. So won't name the bank because they took care of me at the second branch. <laughs> Fine. No problem. And I knew when I walked into the first one, the look that the woman gave me. Yep. 
that nah, this isn't gonna work. But just know, I know. Did you do a recasting? I did a recasting. I did a fun recasting. Okay, because I don't know how you recast the uh, Marx Brothers. Well, this is how you recast it. It was okay. already done for us. Basically, what I did is I recast this movie with the cast of Netflix's Inventing Anna. So we have... <laughs> <laughs> we have Gordon Miller, of course, as Anna Delvey, as played by Julia Gardner. And the IP. We have Gridel, the uh, brother-in-law, as Todd, as played by Arian... Moyad, her lawyer in Inventing Anna. We have Harry Bellini is Neff, who is Alexis Floyd, who, by the way, I think is going to be a big star. She was fantastic. And I want to see more of Alexis Wait, Floyd. Wait, which one was things. she? Neff. The friend? Yeah, in so Inventing friend Anna? That yeah. The friend that really liked her. Oh, that, yeah. that worked at the good. hotel? She the hotel was worker. fantastic. Yeah, she was really good. Yeah. I loved her. Um, as Faker, Faker Ed... Ed Gold, uh, Harpo. I put uh, Rachel, Katie, Katie Lo Lowe's. Katie Lowe's, yeah. Yeah. Um, Christine Marlowe, who was Lucille Ball, I have as Casey Laverne Fox. Ooh, mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Hilda was Manny. So I have Jack Anders Holm because Leo Davis, the playwright, obviously had to be Vivian Kent. Anna Klumski. Yes. And there you have it. We did room service could be redone as inventing Anna. Because it kind of was. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, um, all of my tasty titties have been mentioned before. Oh. oh. That RKO was later bought by Desilu. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So it was Lucille Ball bought RKO Pictures in 1951 with Desi Arnaz, and they renamed it Desi Lu Studios. Right. And they produced I Love Lucy, The Lucy Show, The Untouchables, Mission Impossible, and Star Trek. Mm. And then when Lucille Ball bought out Desi in 1962, at that time, the company was the largest independent production company and Lucille Ball ran the company Desilu Productions herself until she sold it to Gulf and Western for 17 million dollars business woman which is the equivalent in 2020 so it's even gone up since then of 132 million and then Gulf Western turned that into the TV arm of paramount pictures so that's why when oh. you get paramount plus you have like all of that okay that's where i was watching yeah. i was like where do i go to watch this one specific i love lucy episode yeah i mean i have the box set on dvd but mm -hmm. and that's why when you go on um if you take a paramount studios walking tour you would see all of the like oh that was lucille ball's office and that was you know, because that's mm -hmm. that was their like home base and stuff. And it was it like she was a tycoon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was a business woman, you know. She bought out Desi and then was like, Yeah, I'm gonna run it. Like 
Star Trek wasn't just some little show. So. I just have that the $15,000, which is what they were trying to get for the check, would be $301,000 today. Wow. And the $1,200 hotel bill in in 2019 would have been about $22,000. I'm glad you did that because I meant to do that and I forgot until we just started talking about it. Which it's a lot of money, but it's not. And I guess and maybe that goes to what the hotel was: is that it wasn't the fanciest of the fancy hotels. Well, it but wasn't it was the still Astro a, or the Plaza. Yeah, because there was that joke about how they wished that he had died at the Aster. Which remember, I knew the name Aster because of Titanic, mm-hmm. because that was one of mm-hmm. the people that uh, didn't make it. Yeah, and if you're watching the Gilded Age. Oh yeah, gotta get back they're definitely that. in that. I gotta yeah. get back into that, yeah. Um, I have so the Marx Brothers. They were on vaudeville, Broadway, and movies from 1905 to 1949. There were five brothers: Chico, Harpo, Groucho, Gummo, and Zeppo. There was a sixth brother who was actually the firstborn brother, Manfred. But he died in infancy. Oh. And that's oh. why Zeppo's middle name is Manfred in his honor. Oh. Zeppo, the, the final brother. Um, this is, we mentioned that this is the only film that the Marx Brothers did that they didn't, it was on pre existing material. Um, this is actually the only film that they made for RKO. Zeppo, who had retired after Duck Soup, he represented the Marx Brothers, and he threatened to rejoin the group if their demands weren't met. <laughs> That's <so> hilarious. <laughs> but also, because there's also a lot of people who are like, wait, but this just seems so odd. But I thought this was an interesting tidbit. So remember Irving Thalberg, the boy Wonder? He was in charge of MGM, and he was a mentor to the Marx Brothers, and he died prematurely a year before in 1937. Oh, so I kind of wondered if like his death, you know, if maybe they were like really like grieving in their process and they didn't know what to do. And this was just a thing of like, well, you guys don't need to come up with a whole movie right. idea. Here's something for you. You guys can just come in and, and do this. Yeah. Um, this is only the second film where Chico doesn't play the piano and Harpo doesn't play the harp. Hmm. Hmm. RKO remade this film in 1944 as a musical called Step Lively, starring George Murphy and Frank Sinatra. Hmm. Which I, I thought was interesting. Um, I had to look up where Oswego was. Oswego. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you did. Where is it? It is north. You go all the way north. where You know where Syracuse is? And then you keep okay. going north until you get to Lake Ontario, and that's where Oswego is, oh, right? So it's north, 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 right there on the, because uh, it's a port city. So, so it's real. still the U.S. It's not Canada. Yeah, it's, it's upstate okay. New York, past right. Syracuse, get to Lake Ontario. That's where it is. Okay. Um, I have that turkeys can fly, but they can only fly for a quarter of a mile, which, as somebody who jogs. A quarter of a mile isn't an insignificant <laughs> distance to fly. Well, they have I'm... to be able to fly. Yeah, to like it's just like they can only fly to just like get them over something. It seems like yeah, like when you're in Mar- like in Super Mario and you get the wings and you're just like, 
that's how long you can fly for. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all of my tasty titties. Is that all of everybody's? Mm-hmm. Well, that is room service for this week. And Erin has a little smirk on her face. So I know. I do. Because. What are we doing? Okay. So there's a bit of a story with this. Okay. One of my favorite features on Spotify is the, you know, when Lisa, me, myself, I get into these moods. I get, I start hearing a song. I get a, 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 just a tune stuck in my head and I'm like, man, this is a jam. I want to hear more jams like this. And what on Spotify, you can go and click on create radio based on a song. Mm -hmm. So this week on the 25th, that would have been Aretha Franklin's birthday. And there's a great podcast called Black Girl Songbook that I listen to. And it's a music podcast about black women. It, the title's right in there. Uh, it's Danielle Smith. She's a great journalist, music journalist and stuff. And so on this week's episode, it was about her favorite Aretha Franklin song. I think it's Daydreamy. You know, it, it's just Aretha Franklin. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what a talent. Like, just super great singer. And that made me think of my favorite Aretha Franklin song, which I say is my favorite, not the best and not her best by any means, but it is my favorite of hers. And that is her duet with George Michael. I knew you were waiting for me because it's just such, it's got such a great chorus and it's just full of like 80s feel good power yep. pop. So I was just like, man, I love this vibe all week. I went and did the create radio based on this song. And I have been in the feel good 80s grooves of pop oh, bliss. Oh boy. Awesomeness. And what came up on probably like the second, like, you know, the a new year waiting for me ends. And then what comes up but this Patti LaBelle banger from a film in the 80s. And I was just like, have we not done this film before? I No, we haven't. I think it's time. Came out in 1984. The Patti LaBelle jam is called Stir It Up. And it's from this film soundtrack. Starring one of the great comedians of our day. When it came out in 1984... It set records as making money for an R-rated comedy. Nothing. Ooh. It stars one of the greatest comedian, film comedians of all time. 1984. Its soundtrack was a really big deal. It's a buddy. It's gonna. We're gonna get into copaganda next week because it's a buddy cop film. Oh boy. Oh wait, 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 wait. Um, 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 um. Do, Eddie Murphy do, and do, um, do, 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 do. yeah. And um, who who was he with? Wait, Nick I, Nolte? No, not that buddy cop movie. But close. Think of California, where the wait. rich people go. Beverly Hills. Cop. 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 1984, Beverly Hills. That was 1984? Yes. 
I thought it would be fun. Let's let's go into. Oh, the it 80s. will be fun. Oh, I was, <laughs> I was like, wait, I thought we had done it at first. Mm-mm. So I had to check. I'm like, no, you haven't. It's been on my list forever. Oh wow. Because I don't really remember. Like I remember seeing it. Obviously, I don't think I've ever 80s. really seen it. Exactly. Well, well, well. We're well. about to get our Axel Foley on. <laughs> okay, listeners. Well, we are going from 1938 to 1984. I just know that's the year Adam was born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A very, very fine year. It was a fine year. A fine vintage, as it were. Well, we hope you liked this episode. There you go. Bye. Bye. Bye.